this building has a story to tell. It's a story that's told with each stone that marks and each brick that marks the walls and the floors of this building. Each stone that stands one atop the other. It's a story that's etched sometimes, literally, unfortunately, into the pews that line this great nave in which we gather each week. It tells the story of every person over the years who has come into this place to pray or to grieve or to celebrate or to find that moment of closeness with God that they are seeking. It's a story that's depicted in every fragment of glass that makes up these windows that also line this great nave. Every character carefully designed in each window, the letters in each name of every loved one and every memorial, the date of dedication of the window, each carefully crafted number is part of the story that this building tells. Over here, we have the window that tells the story of Pentecost, that 50th day after Easter. Over here, we have the window that depicts Bishop John Strawn, the first bishop of Toronto, organizing that first synod for this new diocese in the Anglican Church throughout the world. And imagine, if you will, a line that extends from this window across the building to that window, that line itself being the story, the story of the birth of Christ's church all the way to the birth of this particular church in God's world. It's a story that's told in these dark marks just above the high altar, that residue of soot that marks all the prayers that have been offered in this place rising as incense, that lasting sign of prayer that has always been in this place. It's also marked in these tiles that are lining this nave and into the sanctuary, telling the story of every person who has walked across these along them to receive communion, or every married couple that has marched down this aisle across these tiles, beginning their new life together as married people in Christ's name, or every reader who has come up to declare the words of Scripture from the lectern. Every person who's come up to receive communion, every choir member who's processed up these aisles to declare a motet, to sing, to sing a hymn or an anthem, and to add to the worship and prayer that is the story of this place. Christmases, Easter's, baptisms, funerals, ordinations, the story of every saint and sinner who has passed through this place, their stories of their faith and their doubt, their trial and their triumph, their despair, their joy. This building has a story to tell, a story told by bricks and slabs and stones. As for these things that you see, Jesus says, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. When Jesus says these words, he's talking about the temple in Jerusalem and its destruction that would come about 40 years later. But imagine, if you will, for a moment, if they were said about our own cathedral church. 
All will be thrown down. Not one stone will be left upon another. These tiles, these bricks, these stones, these pews, these doors and windows and walls. Imagine for a moment Jesus saying these words, that the story that this building has stood to tell will be turned to rubble and a pile of dust. Then you could easily understand the response of the crowd when they hear Jesus saying this, saying, well, when is this going to happen? What will be the sign? When will we know that this is happening? The words we hear from Jesus today are marked by these images of doom and destruction, words about signs and omens, prophecies and warnings, stories of earthquakes and plagues and the threat of the days to come. And it's the fact that we hear Jesus saying these words that make them the hardest to hear. Because we're actually accustomed to hearing these kind of words and these kind of prophecies. It's just usually not coming from Jesus. These are the kind of doom and gloom warnings that tend to come from voices that are easier to dismiss, like Jack Van Impey or Pat Robertson. Sometimes we may hear about some fringe cult group with their apocalypse doomsday predictions. Or maybe we'll watch some terribly bad, low-budget, poorly-written B-movie. Sources that we can easily shrug or laugh off. But sometimes these warnings look different. Sometimes these warnings pack a different kind of punch. Sometimes they look like Jesus confronting us with a reality that's hard to face, as in today's gospel. Sometimes these warnings look like a report to the House of Bishops that's been making the rounds lately, predicting that by 2040 there will be no membership left in the Anglican Church in Canada, a projection that threatens the very story that this building lives to tell. Sometimes those warnings look like a young girl telling us that the earth, this temple of creation that God gave us as our home, is crumbling beneath our feet. Sometimes those warnings come as pictures of murdered and missing indigenous women and girls, or in stories of families that have been torn apart, signs of a cultural and a societal crisis that we've let slip through our hands. Which is why the story that this building lives to tell and the story that this building has to tell is so important. Because even when we feel paralyzed by all the signs of a world that seems to be going to hell, this building is still the story of all the people who have trusted in the grace, redemption, and restoration available to all people when we make the decision to work alongside God's purpose. There's actually far more grace in the gospel reading we've heard today than what probably hit our ears so strangely today. In the weeks to come, as the nights grow longer and the darkness of winter surrounds us, we'll mark the season of Advent. We'll be looking toward Christmas. But in a sense, this gospel reading we've heard today helps us start that turn towards Advent. Because today's gospel reminds us that just as Jesus came into a troubled world on that dark night to bring light into the world, we still wait for Christ's return to this troubled world, our troubled world, to finish that work of redemption that God envisioned from the very beginning. When we hear this gospel text today, this doom story that just resonates 
so poorly in our ears. Remember that the gospel story we heard this morning with its warnings of earthquakes and war and pestilence is the very same gospel, the very same story that we heard 11 months ago, heralding Jesus' birth at the beginning with the Magnificat, the Song of Mary, with the promise to scatter the proud, turn the mighty from their seat, and exalt the humble. The story of God's plan to overturn the world for a new creation. Remember when you read today's gospel text that it's the very same gospel that turns a dark tomb into the promise of eternal life, overturning death by moving a stone. As for these things that you see, Jesus says, the days will come when one not one stone will be left upon another, all will be thrown down. When the stone was thrown down, when the stone was rolled away, the lengths to which God is willing to go to set things right were revealed. That it's not just the temples or the churches that will be thrown down. It's not just the stones of tombs that will come down and be rolled away, but the cornerstones of every institution we've created on our own. The institutions of injustice and hatred will be thrown down. It will be the end of war and grief and suffering, the undoing of our slavery to sin and death. And in its place, in place of all of that, will be the institution of the new creation, the kingdom of God. That's the long view. That's where God is headed. When the temple of God will be the whole earth, and we will be the living stones of that kingdom. That's the story that we've been given to tell. That's the story for which this church is a sign and the purpose to which we have all been called. In Connections today, you'll find a message from the dean talking about some conversations that will soon happen about our future vision as the cathedral, which I hope you'll take the chance to read. We live and work and serve a changing neighborhood while we give praise to a God whose purpose is unchanging. The story of our own changing lives of work and family and friends is interwoven with the story of this building, the story of this neighborhood, and the story of our salvation in Jesus Christ. In the Dean's message, he asks us to consider a few questions, simple questions, but questions that cut to the heart of our very own story as Christians, as the church, and as people in this place and this time moving forward with Christ. So as we, as individual Christians, and as this community, discern more deeply what God might be calling us towards, the thread that runs through all those different stories and narratives of our life are the signs of what God is doing in our own lives and the lives of the people around us signs of where God is calling us to be. Sometimes those signs might send us to places that are new and unfamiliar to us, as God invites us to weave this story into the other stories of our lives. Rest assured, though, that the crowd in today's gospel can relate. And to them and to us, Jesus offers some words of comfort. He assures the crowd that through all the uncertainty and wherever we may go in the name of Jesus Christ, not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. 
So how will we respond to the signs that we see around us, signs of a world longing to know God more deeply? What stones need to be overturned so that God can create something new? What part will we have in the story of God's kingdom? Back at the beginning of Holy Week in April, when we began the journey to the cross with the Palm Sunday Gospel, the story of Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, there's that point where he enters the city and all the children and all the crowd and all the disciples are yelling out Hosanna and singing songs of praise to God's Messiah at the top of their lungs. And the Pharisees get a little edgy about this. And so they demand that Jesus order the disciples to stop shouting. And Jesus says, if these people were silent, even the stones would shout out. This building has a story to tell, a story to shout out. And so do we. In the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.